Welcome back to the Compound Podcast. This is episode 11. We're back on our normal schedule after the Mother's Day episode. Thank you for everybody that listened. Uh, That was great to get our moms on. Positive feedback all the way around. This week we have Jake Johnson, probably most notable uh, as Nick Miller from New Girl. Mm -hmm. So let's be cops. Um, big Cubs fan. It was a great interview. He actually asked us a lot of questions, which is a twist for us. Yes. It was like Step it Brothers was... in there. It's like, we're going to interview you. <laughs> That's what it felt like. That's literally what happened because we would ask one and he's like instantly firing back. So, okay, can I ask one now? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. It was, that was great. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to hit, it's a long interview. So we're going to be quick. We're going to hit worst, best, MVP, and then we'll jump into it. So Dakota, worst, best. Um, the worst part of my day today, I, I think this might be a universal I mean, I, can I speak for all four of our worst today? If possible. Know, it's MJ being over. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, the doc being over, like, we look forward to it the last, was it it's five Jerry weeks? It's Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that guy. Don't get me started. But, yeah, I think that was, uh, today was a tough day for us. Uh, we were all a little sad it's over. It gives it, gave us something to look forward to every week. Um, but it was a fantastic documentary. And the best part of my day today was that there was live golf. And that just felt like life is a little getting back to normal. Yeah. Little by little. This might end up being a just best of the day segment after that. Yeah. So honestly, I'm, I'm going to double up on what Dakota said, yeah. word for word. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I'm on, I'm on board with that. Nico. Nico, you have a different best. Nico's got to have a different best. Uh, I have a different worst. Oh. Although that was a, a big down part of the day. We had another uh, bird against the window. <laughs> <laughs> bird against the window on the back door. Um, did it hit the window? Or yeah, did it yeah a big old Oh, mark. I didn't know if like, so, it got clipped by a raven or something. Wasn't the head off? It was actually didn't have a head. It was decapitated in the afternoon. Our pets' heads are falling off? Yeah. It was after. So. We had a compound death today. Um, Your best part wasn't golf. Oh, no, we did have, we had a, just a quick interruption here. We had a our first compound birthday. Yes, we, had we did. We had, we had Nico's, Nico's birthday. birthday. Great uh, little celebration. Yeah. yeah. 18. Which was wonderful, but keep going. Give, give us your best. Best part of my day was having a, a large brunch and just generally meals when everyone eats together are usually a, yes. a big, yeah. nice part of the day. So that was a good one today. Definitely. Uh, yeah, my worst was definitely MJ. And my best was 100% live golf. Awesome. Being able to watch golf on television. We didn't flinch for four hours. No, I didn't. I didn't budge. We were pissed that it was going so quick. Yeah, yeah. honestly, we were like, slow down. Already. Like, let's just take longer. Take a little, little better read on We're that path. We're not bad. Why not? Yeah, I'm really excited for uh, the Tiger film match next week. Oh, I think so it's going to be unbelievable. Fantastic. Uh, and we'll have our podcast ready for that. Uh, MVP. Who won MVP today? Does anybody want to make a case for themselves? And Gakota's making a strong case for going to get the pizza by himself. Anybody else have anything good? Zach and I pretty much did all the same stuff. Well, Zach and Nico cooked today, though. I did they sausage. Cooked a lot of breakfast. I came in late in the sausage after watching golf. You know what? First ever three-way tie on MVP. <laughs> Great job, guys. So basically, Great you job. did nothing today. Yeah, man. I didn't help very much. Uh, 
I went on a rampage of taking out uh, trash and recyclables a couple days ago, you but did. that's uh, well, that's not today. No, that's not today. Give us the roof over our heads. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. that's true. I can't give myself MVP. Everybody knows that. All right, <laughs> let's jump into the Jake Johnson interview. Hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll have screen time when we come back. What was that like on Curb? You know, it was one of my first jobs ever, um, and it was really intimidating. I bet, right. Yeah. You know, I, I had kind of gone up through, you know, I did Second City in Chicago and Improv Olympics, so I was used to kind of improv theaters, and then I moved out to L.A., and I had done some commercials and small stuff, and I auditioned for Curb, and I honestly didn't think I was going to get it. And, you know, being on set with Larry David was just, even to this day, he's a little bit too talented. <laughs> Intimidating. Yeah, it's like what's different about my career and your guys' career is I, I never have to go against my heroes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I just mostly get to go near them. But a guy like Larry David, who's such a good improviser and he's so comedically intelligent, just doing a scene with him, just, you know, it was it was a weird one. I feel like improv is you are you're both trying to do well because you make each other look good. But if you fuck it up, like it's your fault. It's on you. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's the idea is, is that the scene just works seamlessly. Like we improvise a lot on New Girl and it took a little bit for all of us to find the rhythm. But once we all knew each other, then it's easy to play. The problem is and everybody knows. And I don't know if that, I got to I'm going to turn this into a question for you guys in a second. But. When you're all, when a group of actors are doing an improv scene, we all know who's the weakest link. <laughs> who, who is the weakest link on New Girl? <laughs> yeah, I'm not answering that. <laughs> um, you know, actually, what's funny is Lamorne Morris at the beginning. I wouldn't say he's the weakest link, but he does. To me, he's one of the funnier dudes I've ever met. But he will do the weirdest improvs that will never make it in the show. <laughs> Like he always, he and Hannah Simone, uh, who plays Cece, are good buddies. And whenever she would talk, he would do a joke where he like made a fist and he was going to like honeymooners punch her to the moon. And, you know, we were like, homie, we're on New Girl. You can't do a domestic violence. (laughs) And this fool did that bit so many times over seven years. And obviously it was never used. Was there always one person who you knew would break if the joke was really funny? Um, yeah, kind of. You you learn pretty quickly on a set uh, uh, who breaks and what they break for. The problem, what happened on New Girl, which was kind of, you know, me, Max, Damon, and Lamorne, we still text each other, you know, nearly every day. And the problem is, is what would make each other break was not necessarily always good for the show. But we knew what made each other laugh. We were watching a lot of Dr. Steve Brule. And have you guys ever seen uh, uh, Steve Brule on uh, Adult Swim? I don't, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. John C. Riley created this character who's it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Uh, I highly recommend going down the rabbit hole after this. But it's Dr. Steve Brule. He just makes these like weirdo short videos. And it was making all of us laugh. So – we would all do little Dr. Steve Brule isms in scenes, and that would be the way to get each other to laugh, but it wasn't necessarily right for the show. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question for you guys. Who is the um, the weirdest person you guys, for the pictures you ever had to, you know, 
face and for the hitters, was there like a, any surreal moments when you're facing somebody you grew up watching that you couldn't kind of get out of your own head? Mm, that's a, my, my rookie year, uh, this was on defense, but Ichiro hit a ground ball to me. Yeah. We were playing the Marlins, and I was playing second base, and I fielded a ground ball and threw Ichiro out, and I was like, that's might be the coolest thing I'll ever do. <laughs> yeah, totally. he, was like, he was like 40 years old and still playing and stretching every single pitch, but – I think everybody has one of those experiences where they're like, oh, my God. Yeah, when I got on first base this spring next to Albert Pujols, that was definitely pretty special. That's pretty wild. How wild was it, uh, uh, Ian, the first time you stepped on and, you know, entered Wrigley Field? Yeah, I, I had been there in the stands to watch a game as part of the organization, and then I had taken BP uh, after I got drafted in fifteen. But the first time that you actually have the uniform on and go out there, it's completely different. I know. I would imagine. I mean, you've been down on the field. You've, have you thrown a first pitch? You have, right? Yeah, I went down. I did the uh, seventh inning stretch once. Yeah. How was that? Uh, very scary, actually. <laughs> uh, people say it's fun. I've declined doing it ever since. It was, I had one. T- I had. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt, and I'll get back. But I had one too many beers, and. Happens. The seventh inning comes. I got to talk to Ron and Pat, which was like for me a dream come true to like sit with the radio guys who I grew up listening to. Yeah, and it was just a blast. And then they called me into the booth to do the seventh inning stretch, and I thought like I got this. I've been doing this fucking song forever. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There's a, a beat delay between the organ and what you're saying and what you hear. Yeah. It tripped me out in a way that I wanted to, in the middle of the song, just be like, abort! I pass! I don't want to do it! (laughs) I started, I think, screaming the song rather than sing it. I couldn't hear what was happening. The thing finishes. You know, everybody around is giving me the thumbs up, so you feel pretty good. It's your own rendition. Yeah. (laughs) Not really. That's what they tell you, but it's really not. (laughs) I feel like that's one of those things, though, you just got to sell out and do it. Like, if you're tentative, it's just kind of awkward, but just selling out and screaming is just like, well, that was good, clean fun. I agree. I will say this. I grew up watching Harry Carey. You know, I'm 41 now, so my childhood was Harry and Steve Stone. And Mm -hmm. watching random celebrities and, like, gymnasts do it, and myself included, we've just bastardized such a great tradition. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this was a beautiful thing. And now my ass is up there being like screaming. At the end of it, I yelled, let's get some runs. And as soon as I said it, I thought like, why am I doing this? <laughs> well, the, the best move is when the person who's saying the seventh inning stretch, they get a little caught up in the middle and they just hold the microphone to the crowd. Well, I believe I did to sing it they're just like yep you guys do it go ahead (laughs) yeah i for sure did that (laughs) (laughs) i got a question for you ian what do you guys make of a guy like a when i was growing up there was this guy named tuffy rhodes (laughs) he started off on the cubs and i think he had like four home runs in a game just went off and i was convinced he was you know the next willie mays two years later he's out of the league playing in japan what do you guys make for those unbelievably hot, like four month periods from first year players? Is it just that nobody knows them yet? 
I think that's definitely part of it. Um, when, especially for like a pitcher, when the hitters haven't ever seen you before and all they have to go off of is scouting reports, right. it's kind of to our advantage and they've never really seen how the ball actually moves out of our hand and stuff like that. That's interesting. And there's so much data now that if you do have an obvious weakness, it's taken care of pretty quickly yeah. by the opposition. Yeah. It usually, it usually takes like, I don't know, three weeks to a month and they'll try everything. And then right. once, once they find the one hole, then they just try to expose you until you fix it. And it's just such a game of failure that if you don't fix the hole and you just keep getting beat down, it's like, all right, this is impossible. I can't yeah. do this. I'm really glad in my business we don't have that because <laughs> if every actor I was with knew like where my weakness is, they would just be like, all right, say that line again, word perfect. And I'm like, all right, I'm out of the business. <laughs> every improv partner just targets your worst possible <laughs> That's the, it's one of the hardest things professional athletes do is that you go to work and you're competing against somebody who's really good every day. Exactly. I mean, it's a nightmare, man. <laughs> what would you say your biggest weakness is as an actor? Um, my biggest weakness is when a director or a producer is really nitpicky and likes things a very technical way. Um, I get really bored really fast. I think for me, the beauty of acting and why I love it is there's a lot of freedom in it. And when you're in a scene with a really good actor and you've got great camera operators and a great crew, there's a real magic that can occur and it feels really organic. And then there's other people who like to work that really like to control every little thing. And you are just a tool in their vision. And some actors are really good at doing both. They can do it when it's free or they can be very controlled. I'm really not that great when it gets controlling. I just kind of shut down. Well, we, we've been binge watching New Girl, and it definitely feels more free, and we've been enjoying that. Oh, fun. Yeah, that show was really great. Liz Merriweather, the creator of that show, she really was open to everybody, you know, pitching things and improvising, and it really made it a ton of fun. Yeah. Which of the actors in New Girl do you think is most like their character? Um, you know, all of us and none of us. You know, <laughs> We all obviously heighten the bits, and in real life, none of us are, you know, quite like that. Where we all have, you know, families, and it took a lot to actually get on a TV show, and none of those characters really had any drive. But comedically, we're all very similar. Yeah, I was really hoping awesome. to say Schmidt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Max is really funny. He, uh, yeah, he, he's very. I mean, in real life, he is different from Schmidt, but comedically, he's very similar. On New Girl. When you have the Rizzo jersey on your bedroom wall, I just want to know what it's going to take for me to get a jersey on a wall in one of the shows. <laughs> next. I mean, next gig, I have that opportunity. I'll do it. <laughs> just talk to the jersey. I thought that was the coolest thing. I was like, wow. Like, that's when you know you've made it is when your jersey is hanging in a very, very popular TV show. You know, what's funny on the other side was – I felt like that's when I, I felt like I had finally made it. And it was, I think the 2015 Cubs season, but I was, we were doing the third season or so of new girl. I just did a bunch of press for let's be cops. And I had gone to Chicago and gotten the Ricketts had brought me to the game or whatever. Mm -hmm. and I was on social media one day and I saw that John Lester was following me. You know, like, I well, I like DM'd him like a nine-year-old. 
(laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, Mr. Lester, I'm a huge fan. And he wrote back, like, sounds good, bud. We should get a beer. (laughs) I started DMing with him, Rizzo, and then Schwarber, who was still in double A at the time. I would just be getting like every once in a while, I'd get like a text or, you know, a, a Twitter, or whatever, a DM from these guys. And it blew my mind in such a way. I got a funny John Lester story. Please. So Lester, um, he and I just would go back every once in a while and send texts here and there. Or, you know, I'm just going to call uh, Twitter texts, even though we didn't do text. Um, and this was one that really blew my mind. <laughs> It was during the World Series, and, you know, I'd send him everything once in a while. I'd, you know, let him know good luck and blah, blah, blah. And game seven, he and I were texting before the game. (laughs) And just kind of casual stuff, you know, me being like, good luck, man. He's like, thanks for feeling good. I could not believe he was not a robot and he was a regular person who could text (laughs) before pitching game seven. And I talking to my dad, I'm like, I've been texting with these guys. And he's like, I don't want to hear this. They can't be real people. This is really, <laughs> it was wild. But yeah, all those guys. And so when it came time to, you know, Liz wanted me to have like a, some uniform on the wall. I was like, yeah, I got to do. It was either Lester. I think I threw out Lester, Rizzo, and Schwarber. And Liz picked Rizzo. Yeah. Uh, in, in our research, though, I did find a picture of you in a Dodgers jersey. Would you care to comment on that? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I threw out the uh, first pitch at Dodger Stadium while the Dodgers were playing the Cubs, and I asked if I could wear a Cubs jersey. And even the ask is disrespectful. <laughs> They're just like, no chance. We can't allow it. I just said, I'm like, I'm a Cubs fan. They're like, you realize you're in Dodger Stadium. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pass on this. I want to do it. <laughs> I got a question for you guys. What's the big day-to-day difference between minors and pros um the minors is a lot shittier that's what it's <laughs> is minor really brutal it sounds like a minor league off season yeah yeah it's it's like even tri- like triple a is the best of the minor leagues and triple a like the food that you get sucks. There's bugs in the food like the travel sucks the travel you're what flying is the, is the travel planes or is it like Bull Durham it, buses. It's red. It's red eye flights. You fly out at like three a.m. to the what? place you're playing next, and you play that night. Yeah, and you fly southwest. So like you're you go to, you have a night game. You go to bed at let's say midnight. Get you're, two hours. Your alarms at two. You have to be at the field by three thirty four. Then you're the first one to the airport. You have to take the first flight of the day in case something gets delayed. You're on a southwest flight, just like normal in the airport. Uh, you get to the ballpark, or you get to the hotel, go right to the ballpark to play a night game that night. Like that's, oh, that's very that typical. Is, that's exhausting. Oh. Yeah, and like in the big leagues, you know, you finish up. You all almost always play a day game when you travel. You finish up, you get a great meal. You get on the bus, takes you straight to the plane on the tarmac. Get on the plane, like you're in the city before midnight so that you could get a good night's sleep and play a night game the next day like it's so different the way like you're treated the accommodations like you're not staying at the red roof in either you're staying at the four seasons like it's completely different <laughs> well, the hotels even uh in triple a feel significantly different oh yeah. yeah and you have a most of the time you have a roommate you have to pay if you want your own room is so that in triple, yeah in triple yeah. a you have to have a roommate on the road unless you want to pay for your own room 
in the big leagues, everybody has their own room. It's just, it's two different worlds. Yes. Really? Yes. That's why like making it is such a big, not, not only the pay that you get, but like the accommodations, the way you're treated, like. Interesting. So how brutal is it when you know getting demoted in the middle of the year? I, I got demoted uh, with two days left in spring training last year, and it was awful. I will tell you, it is, <laughs> after after two full years being in the big leagues, for that to happen, it's like it's a shock. And what's the mental adjustment then when you get demoted down to keep kind of, and I not for for a lack of a better way of saying it, but like to keep fighting back. Like what? Yeah. All of a sudden, everything changes. You know, in our in my business, what's similar about it is when you're close to a job and you don't get it, or you shoot something and they recast you. Yeah, yeah. I think I think these guys, because Zach and Dakota, uh, that's where I met them. They were uh, coming up and they were in AAA, and they could tell you that I wasn't the happiest guy for the first few weeks or right. month. Uh, but I think you just you question everything that you've done. Like that's the hardest part, and it took me like. I was trying to make some changes that I shouldn't have been trying to make. And I kept on with that. And it took me like two months to kind of get past that and figure out like, Hey, I need to stop trying so hard. Like I'm not that bad. Like I'm actually very good. Right. And if I can just get back to what I was doing, that was very good. Then I'll be fine. And it took me until, until uh, kind of like middle of June to figure that out, which is, it's a long process when you're, when you're playing every day and you feel like you're, you're just kind of, wasting away because you know you're not getting any better just getting worse every single day (laughs) totally what would you say uh acting wise was like a piece that you really wanted that you didn't end up getting and you kind of thought you were going to get um you know it's happened the more for me is less with the acting and more because i like to write as well so Mm -hmm. i've had ideas that i've written that we shot i'd shot a pilot for this dream tv show that you know, I did last year that we shot a pilot for Apple. A bunch of my friends who I grew up with, I got in the show with me. My buddy Billy, who used to direct uh, Bill Bungeroth, who used to direct Second City, I had flew him out to LA to be part of it and produce it. Michael Showalter was producing it. Um, my buddy Josh Greenbaum was directing it. He used to do New Girl. We had this whole idea. Everything was going. We shot the pilot. I thought the pilot turned out great. I was really ready to do the show. And then I got a call one day that Apple didn't want to do it. And, you know, I had people, I had told friends that if it was going to be two and a half months of work. So I was having people start opening up their schedules. Yeah. And then I just had to call everyone and say like, guys, it's over. It's they, they passed. There's no job. And that one took about a month of feeling bad for myself. And then you realize that nobody cares. Yeah, yeah, I bet. In a very real way, even like my wife, who I adore, after a few days, she didn't even care. So I'm like, I'm just walking around moping, and I'm like, just get going. So, you know, you start writing your next thing. But it's less for acting for me. Acting has been more of a just a fun ride. Each Mm -hmm. job feels so weird, but, you know, I don't, I'm not like an actor's actor. I don't put too much stake in it. So if I don't get a part, like, I don't, if a, a lot of like you, you guys heard the uh, Brian Cranston story with Breaking Bad that Vince Gillian didn't want him for the part and saw him as the dad from Malcolm in the Middle and Brian Cranston fought for it. Yeah, I would never fight for it. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody calls and says, "I go like, man, it's a really good script," and they go, "We don't see you for it," I'm like, "All right, well, good luck," because at the end of the day, it is a job. I hope, 
great. I hope so, you guys have a lot of fun doing that one. Yeah. So then what would you say your favorite piece that you've been in would be? Um, you know, it. I think it's a tricky one because for me, it's always people first. So the people of New Girl, I spent seven years of my life with. And, you know, I, I was with, they all, we were all with each other when, you know, our kids were born, when we started our families, all the guys, especially Zoe was famous at the beginning, but the guys, none of us were, and we experienced that together. And we would be the first time it would be with them. And all of a sudden we would be in a restaurant and people would want our photos. Yeah, that's awesome. It was it was wild. So that group of people will always it'll just be a very special group because we kind of grew into this business together. Um and then there's a Chicago guy named Joe Swanberg who I've done a bunch of indies with who I really love. And you know the Spider-Verse team, that was a really special one as well. And I really love doing that. That was an awesome movie on the heels of like everything that Marvel did for that to come out right after. That was really cool. Yeah, the Phil Lord and Chris Miller and Rodney and Pete and Bobby are directors. It's a really, it's a really talented group of humans. Um, I had a question about acting, and this is a question I've always wanted to ask an actor, actress. What is it like filming sex scenes? Um, first of all, thank you for referring to me as an actor, actress. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> hey, it's 2020. Hey, yeah. he believes so much I, in your roles. Yeah, I can see. <laughs> I, I personally feel comfortable being just called an actor, but God bless. Um, <laughs> um, the sex scenes are, you know, they it's it's a weird thing because it is not real sex, obviously. I've never done like too intense of a sex scene, but what's more about it is, is it's a coworker and just a random friend that mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're kissing and touching each other. But what's wild about it is a lot of times you'll end up doing like 25 takes. So the first couple of takes feel, you know, naturally there's adrenaline. You're next to a very attractive woman and you're like, mm-hmm. well, I'm about to kiss this human. This is wild. But then what gets really weird is when they're like changing the lighting. Sometimes you like get a bite to eat together and you're eating like a chili. <laughs> You're like, hey, that was great out there. Yeah, you're like, you know, the, your co-star, that's your scene partner. That, that's your co-worker. So you yeah. know each other in a very intimate way, the way workers know each other. And a lot of these sex scenes are happening at 6.45 to 7 in the morning. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, you wake up early on set. So you get to work. You, your first scene's a sex scene. So you get to work. You jump in your underpants and you hop in bed. And it, there's something about it that's very scientific rather than like how you would imagine it. Do you get that same nervous rush every chance you get to kiss Schmidt? <laughs> you know, honestly, about a fifth of them were improvised by him. <laughs> I love that. And that's not a joke. He would, he knew I personally, what's similar to me and my character is I don't need to be touched too often by people who aren't in my immediate family. Yes. You know, it doesn't mean I don't like them. I'm just not like a huggy guy. Uh-huh. As soon as Max learned that, that man touched me in every time we were in a two-shot together. <laughs> so whenever a two-shot is when the camera's on two people at once. Whenever I'd be talking, he would, like, fix my hair <laughs> just to get a reaction. <laughs> I got we have we have a fan question, but before the fan question, I got I got one more. As a writer, yeah, are, are people always trying to pitch you 
show ideas. Yes. Is that a very frequent thing? It is, yeah. Um, and it's really annoying. <laughs> it has to be. Because the ideas people pitch aren't ideas. They'll say like, dude, you should do something about uh, COVID-19. <laughs> and I'll go, yeah, I hear you. And they'll go, everybody's stuck inside. You know what I mean? <laughs> a bunch of people stuck inside. You know, there's a movie there. I'm like, what is the movie? <laughs> and I get that a lot. Or the other thing is a lot of people will have like a kind of funny thing that happened in their family where it's really funny to the family, but it's not really funny to strangers. Yeah. yeah. Like inside jokes almost. Yeah. It's like an inside joke where they'll be like, you know, we were all at camp doing this thing and the sailboat, you know, fell over. You should do a scene like that. <laughs> and I never know what to say. So I always just have to go like, I hear you. Could work. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. Then, you ever- I got to tell you, you never know. It could work. <laughs> have, have you had someone pitch you an idea you actually thought was good? Um, has anyone pitched me? A lot of times when somebody pitches me an idea that I think is actually good, I, I used to have a production company for a while. I'll try to get it going. And what, hap- yeah. what happens is, is in order to get something made in Hollywood, there's so much behind the scenes politics that people don't fully get. Meaning somebody could pitch a good idea. For example, I was being really mean to my brother about this the other night. My brother texts me in the middle of the night and he goes, I got it. And I go, what? And he goes, you should pitch. You know the musician John Prime? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love John Prime. So he writes, you should pitch doing a uh, biopic about John Prime's life when he was in Chicago. And I go, what do you mean? <laughs> and he goes, John Prime in the 70s? That's incredible. <laughs> and I go, well, I don't sing or play guitar. Why the hell would they cast me as John Prime? And he goes, you could lip sync it, buddy. <laughs> and then I thought, I, he, I, was, I started pushing. He said, drop it. But I didn't drop it because I go, Dan, think about this. What is the story? And he goes, a musician just coming up, playing music. And I'm like, that's not a movie, man. That's a <laughs> half a scene. So, you know, now, the truth is somebody will make a John Prine biopic and it'll be really good. And somebody like Joaquin Phoenix will be in it and will realize, <laughs> wow, he's an incredible guitar player and it'll be great. And then my brother will write me, see, told you. <laughs> and you'll look like the dumbass. And then I'm the, like, dude, I told you, John Prine's a hit. He just, Joaquin won an Academy Award and I'll just have to go, I hear you, man. It was a great idea, brother. <laughs> All right, we're going to hit you with the uh, the one fan question. Okay. This question is from Scott Efros, at Scott Efros on Twitter. Scott, thanks for joining the show. Um, he said, did you ever think that when you started your career that you would be in a Chance the Rap, be Chance the Rapper's lawyer in a rap video featuring DaBaby? <laughs> no. You know, it's funny. Um, I've, seen, I've been quietly been a Chance fan for years. Um, yeah, from Chicago as well. Yeah, you know, and he, and also he's so independent. So I like I like that he, you know, I started paying attention to him before I got into his music because of the way he was running his business. I just found him interesting. Yeah. But I never really had any links to Chance the Rapper or realistically the rap world. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really, the, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you right now. I'm wearing Zumba pants as we're doing this podcast. <laughs> I'm not exactly what the rap world is interested in. So I just never give it any thought besides I like rap and I listen to it and I, you know, I pay attention to what's happening. And one random day I got an email from Chance's people saying, you want to be in Chance's video? And you go, hell yeah. That is awesome. I was like, of course I did. I'm like, hell yeah, do I want to be in a Chance the Rapper video? I didn't even care what I did in it. If they said, do you want to dance in it, I would have done it. (laughs) (laughs) I've had had a conversation with my agency about chance and his what he's doing because i think the stuff he's doing in chicago from a charity aspect is is awesome Absolutely. Uh, and some of the stuff he's doing with kids and mental health uh is what my family foundation is trying to do so i've, I've tried to think of links to get in contact with him but everything i think of is like he'll never go for that <laughs> totally no chance yeah i i really wanted to after i did it i had this like whole fantasy i'm like man maybe me and like chance could become buddies <laughs> like you know i could just like email with chance we could like talk out ideas there's been zero contact <laughs> and it took a ways to really like absorb the rejection and being like yeah he's not we're not gonna be buddies <laughs> you were convinced you were gonna be invited to be a judge on his netflix rap show <laughs> yeah that's right i was gonna help find the next voice <laughs> That was Jake Johnson. Uh, Jake, thanks for being on. A wonderful, wonderful guest. In the running for our most famous guest. Him and Garland, probably. Him and Garland. Our top two. Yeah. No top offense two. to our other guests, but... Which we love all of them. We love them all. Um, I, think it, I think that was the weirdest one of hearing his voice, and I'm like, whoa. I know that Like, guy. that's Nick Miller. Nick? Yeah, I was like, Nick, is that you? I could, I could see him as a reoccurring guest. I, I could see him that. coming back on the podcast at some point. I'd love it. Maybe we can do an in-person one next time when the virus is over. That would be wonderful. Uh, let's hit our screen times real quick before we let the people go. Um, Dakota? You know what's upsetting is my weekly average last week was like 3.05, yep. and today I have 4.10. Oh, the yeah. day we do the, inter- er, the episode. We all believe you. I swear. Zach? 4.05. <clears throat> I was driving. I had my four five. I had my navigation. Four. Yeah, so four hours, five minutes, yes. and we had four hours, ten minutes. Those were the two. But I had navigation. Yeah, for sure. So. Nico? Two ten. Two ten. Okay. Wow, I had a two sixteen. I was and close. You felt good about wow, that I one. I did. I felt really good with two sixteen. Unfortunately, it didn't go through. Two opposite sides of the spectrum there, though, for all four of us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, we'll be better. That's episode eleven. I need uh, some subscriptions. I need some likes, some rates. I feel some like five stars enough. Like since the Mother's Day episode, I don't think I really said it in the Mother's Day episode. No, you didn't. You, so that gave everyone two weeks to recover their fingers. So I'm going to need you to unsubscribe, resubscribe, and do that all over. People were taping again. their thumbs. The broken thumbs have been fixed. You also break. They sewed them back on. Yes. And then now we need. You had surgery already. There's plenty of time. You we, should be back. Yeah. We need lots of broken. You have ten thumbs. fingers and ten toes. Use those. <laughs> Use your nose. I don't care. Like, subscribe, resubscribe, rate five stars. Thank you, everyone. That was episode eleven. Coming to you live from yeah, .com. Happy birthday, baby. Happy birthday.